Welcome to Oyana, a teenager's journey to self-love. Our mission is to inspire, educate and empower, helping teenagers to navigate through life and connect with their inner self. I'm your host, Carol Oakley, and thank you for tuning in. Now today, I have the honour to have Rania, who is a lover, a learner, a seeker, a risk taker, a creative and a creative coach. Now, when I first connected with Rania, I instantly fell in love with her beautiful, beautiful, creative and fun spirit. I love her use of colours and props and most importantly, her hats. Just love them. <laughs> she brings light and love to every situation. And I just love her. I just love her for that. Welcome, Rania. How are you doing today? How can I be doing after that amazing introduction, Carol? I mean, you've given me so much love and so much kindness right now. I'm great. Oh, brilliant. Fantastic. It's such an honor, such a true honor to have you on my show. And uh, I really appreciate you. Uh, the key topics we're going to cover today is I'm going to touch on a little bit about your childhood, education, your career, career journey, well-being, personal development. And um, obviously, we'll offer some advice and tips to our listeners along the way. But overall, let's just go with the flow and see where the conversation takes us. All right. Yay. So, Rania, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about your, your background, your childhood? My childhood um, was in Ghana. And Ghana is in West Africa, and specifically in Accra. I grew up in a neighborhood called Asylum Down. And that's where um, the biggest or most famous mental asylum is in Accra. And I tell you, when you grow up in that neighborhood, you can only go up from there. <laughs> Brilliant. Although I, I lived in Accra, I was French educated in the only French school at the time. And um, so, yeah, I didn't start out being an artist, although I had some art mentoring and art education in my teenage years. My parents thought it was too crazy to be an artist. They were, they couldn't accept it. They couldn't, what I wanted to do at university was uh, do a double major in performing arts and fine arts. But it was a no, no, no. So I had to pick something else. It was either that or give up on my parents. At the time I wasn't willing or able to give up on them. So I'm like, you know what, let me try something else. Mm -hmm. And I ended up studying languages and translation and interpretation um, for five years. I, I, and uh, so I was an interpreter and a language specialist mm -hmm. because I thought I'd always loved knowledge, yes. pursuit of knowledge and looking how different languages, you know, tell you so much about different states of being and different ways of relating to the world. But at one point, I got really frustrated with that because it wasn't creative enough for me. Okay. And so I went back to studying, went back into um, mentoring uh, and under an artist called Seth Cloté. 
for three years in painting and sculpture. And then I completely transformed or let's say made a full circle and came back to what I originally wanted to do. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And I guess you just had to go to go through that process to realize what you really wanted to do and to and find out who you were as a person. It's, it's so many things, Carol. I, I think uh, nothing is ever lost. Uh, so that process, although extremely painful, my university years were, I think, some of the toughest, you know, in some ways, not always. Mm-hmm. Um, but they gave me a lot of discipline and they gave me um, uh, the structures and the, uh, let's say, the, the rigor. Yes. the rigor of pursuing mm-hmm. something yes. so it it wasn't like it was a loss and also sometimes learning what you don't love is a way of, of finding out what you love mm. yeah absolutely and that's a, such a a powerful point it is very much about and this is for our listeners it's sometimes when you don't see things are working in your favor or not clear it's not because it's not the right thing for you to be doing it's maybe it's just you need to do that to get to where you're going you know so you can grow as a as a person and at that time I didn't have enough self-knowledge or independence or um, resources Mm -hmm. to go against my parents or to say I know more than they do Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure and I wasn't capable of going out on a limb on my own. Mm-hmm. I had to go through that process of self-discovery. Yes. And you can't look in hindsight and judge things. It happened the way it was supposed mm. to happen because of my readiness at that time, what I was able to do and not able to do and what I still needed to learn. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. What? self-esteem issues and peer pressure seem to be big issues these days especially where social media is concerned do you have any any advice on how teenagers can overcome it yes um i think this is something i'm having to face with my kids and not only with my kids you know even with adults with people around me who are new to social media it's still relevant And I've thought long and hard about it, actually, and done lots of research and soul digging and and creative work as well in our last exhibition with the Beyond Collective. And what I I would say is that don't depend on social media for your sense of self-esteem and for your confidence, because social media is just one part of a larger system which is a system, a capitalistic system, that involves the media, all the messages that we get, as well as social media. And that system profits the more insecure we are. Mm. And so part of its agenda and part of its need is for us actually to be scared Mm. and not to be too confident. Yes. And not to say that there are no no great things or that every site on social media follows those principles, but we're talking about the mass and the majority. Mm -hmm. The majority falls under that system, which feeds on insecurities and fears to make a profit. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So just being aware of that, yes. being aware of that and knowing that, yes, we are part of this culture. We're going to engage in that because this is how we communicate in, in so many ways, especially in situations such as COVID right now. Mm-hmm. And yet not to rely on that to tell me who I am or to tell me, to make me feel good about myself because it's not designed to do that. I have to find those answers outside of that. Mm -hmm. And as long as you use social media responsibly Mm -hmm. while looking for those answers outside of that, it's fine. Yes, yes, yes. And that's um, brilliant. That's such fantastic advice, um, Rania. Fantastic advice. What life, life lesson or topic do you wish they taught at school and why? Oh, so many things. Like, first of all, I wish we, we thought, uh, taught, see, looking at our educational systems, unfortunately, they are all still geared towards mostly, predominantly towards the needs of the industrial revolution that happened a few hundred years ago. Mm. And we are right now in the middle of the digital revolution, which is a period of very fast change and things that move very fast and developments and updates that are constantly being made. Our educational systems have not caught up to that yet in general. Mm-hmm. What is happening right now is that we have some of the highest rates of mental disease in the world. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, some of the highest rates of unemployment in the world and people who are feeling lost and economic crisis. So what I wish our, our systems, our educational systems would catch up to is that we need to teach well-being, wellness, mm-hmm. self-help at school, yes. self-perception, yes. self-image. Mm-hmm growth, personal growth, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. We need to have the tools to be able to grow emotionally, psychologically, Mm -hmm. and not only intellectually, because our intellect, look at this crisis, is not going to help us when things are constantly changing. Mm. The second thing I wish you teach more of in schools is invest more in creativity mm. and why you're going to say, but not everybody's an artist. No, not everybody's an artist and not everybody's going to want to be an artist or should be an artist, but everybody has an inner creator. Mm. And if you read, um, Sir Ken Robinson's book, the element, you know, he, he talks about research that was done. And you go to a class of of kindergartners and you ask them who is creative and the majority will raise their hands and know that they are creative. Mm. But when you ask college kids that same question, the majority will not raise their hands and have lost faith or do not believe they're creative. What happened in the middle of that from from this point A A to to point B? What happened? What, What happened? What do you school think? Happened. Oh, school happened, yes. School happened and homes happened mm. and education at home. And yet, 
you know? Invest in your creativity. We need creative tools because in a very fast changing environment, the only hope we have of surviving is how fast we can adapt, how fast we can come out, come up with outside of the box solutions, unconventional solutions, how fast we can reinvent ourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Food for thought, you know, food for yeah food for thought and that's such a again such a, a powerful point it's a uh, creativity because as you say we've all it's very much in us it's just tapping into that creativity isn't it and i think there's a lot of noise these days whether it's because we are living in the digital age whether it's our phones or ipads that is over consuming us to not be able to tap into our creativity and it's just yeah it's just getting that back isn't it and it's always in us and around us, Carol. Like when you take microscopes or look into your own body, your cells are constantly recreating themselves. Some are dying, some are being reborn. Yes. And when they stop doing that, we develop disease or die. Mm-hmm. If you walk in a forest, just walk in the forest. Everything is constantly recreating itself. Leaves are falling, they're dying, new growth is happening. Yeah. If you walk into the ocean, mm-hmm. it's the mm-hmm. same thing. We are creators. Yeah. yeah. We are creators. And when we stop being aware, it doesn't mean you're an artist necessarily. Yeah. But being a creator means that you have better tools to go through change Mm. and to deal with the idea of every change for everything to be reborn something has to die yeah meaning not necessarily a physical death Mm -hmm. sometimes it's the death of an idea Mm -hmm. or of a way of doing something or of looking at something Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sometimes it's the death of a habit that i'm doing that is destructive to me Mm -hmm. sometimes it's the death of of, uh, you know, a taste that I have for a type of, let's say, musician or, or artist mm-hmm. that actually is not teaching me something good and is not making me, is not empowering to me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, that leads me on to my next question. I mean, creativity, you are in the creative field. Can you, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about what you do? I mean, I, will, I am going to do a episode on careers, which I'd love to get you back on. But if you can just give us an overview on what you do, uh, Rania, that would be, that'd be great. So I work in a, as an artist. Yes. And I've, I would say a visual artist and a multidisciplinary artist. So multidisciplinary means, like, I don't do painting or um, I, I work with uh, performance. I work with um, photography. I work with mixed media. Uh, sometimes I join different fields depending on on the the uh, subject. Yeah. So that's one thing that I do. For the past sixteen years, I've been working as a creative coach as well mm-hmm. in Ghana because this service is very much needed, and yet it is not easily found. And if it is, it is too expensive. 
So, and, and yet the people who need it the most so often cannot afford to pay for it at the time when they need it. And so this is one thing that part of my practice that I committed myself to doing for free yes. because it is part of my growth and everybody else's growth. Mm. And, and so this is one thing I do. Um, I'm a curator an art curator for the Beyond Collective, which is an art collective that um, we founded with some artist friends and I. And then I work part-time on specific projects as a fashion stylist and or a creative director. Right, well, you've got a lot of string, string, strings to your bow, Rania. You know, Carol, that's exactly what we were talking about. Yeah. In Ghana, most of us grow up and need to hustle, need mm -hmm. to develop. In order to survive, you need to develop different skill sets. Sure. You cannot, again, there's nothing that is an absolute, you know, it does happen. But in the majority of cases, you cannot be, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah, a jack of one trade. Mm -hmm. You have to be, you have to diversify. Yeah. And we used to be told that this is a negative thing. But then the more time is passing and with this crisis, it turns out, no, it's not necessarily a negative thing. It can be a positive thing yeah. because every discipline you learn gives you a specific skill set. It has the potential to teach you something mm. if you want. Yes. And you can join different ones of them and create something new. Mm -hmm. but then if you don't have them and you've been doing, okay, the same thing. This one job for 10 years or 20 years, if it so happens that this job gets thrown to the dustbin yes. and you're told, okay, now there's a robot that can do it. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. That is such a um, powerful point. And it is very much about, again, going back to personal growth. It's just constantly learning and Learning and learning new things, isn't it? And not mm -hmm. putting your, as my mom would say, put your eggs in one basket. Just, just keep putting lots of eggs in that basket and seeing where you get to those, you know, where you get to and, you know, what you don't like, you can put aside and then you can take up something else. And, and that's why I think as you're going back to your point, you know, about topics being taught at school, personal growth, personal development is so important because we are told or taught to just get a job, a job. And um, it shouldn't, shouldn't be like that. Did you overcome any obstacles along the way, you know, during your career? Oh, of course I did. But can I, can I reverse a little bit, you know, of before course. we end that and give the example of Steve Jobs, for example, yes. who, who, who created the iPad, okay? And uh, apparently at university, when he first went there, he didn't only do the, the courses he was supposed to do. For some reason or another, he was attracted to calligraphy. And so he went and took courses in calligraphy. They did not have, at that time, an obvious, like, let's say, use. or And yet, they helped him a lot. Mm. So in terms of exploration, don't judge what you're exploring, un unless it's destructive to you. Because... The more you learn, the more you're open to different things, the more you have the capacity to link 
new things together and to make new connections. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful point. Beautiful, beautiful point. Um, just going back to my last question, Rania, did you, did you, I mean, we all, you know, we all come across obstacles. What were your obstacles? There were so many of them. I mean, um, and, and mainly they had to do with me. Mm. The greatest battles that you, you wage is the one you wage against yourself. Yes. It's very easy to look at your circumstances and say, I was a victim of this or I was a victim of that, even yeah. when it's true, even when it's true. But um, for me, it was many things. It was the fact that my mother had me when she was very young. She didn't finish school. She came from a very um, traditional background mm -hmm. where they had very um, specific and rigid ideas about what it means to be a child, what it means to be a woman, um, and which she applied herself. Um, and also, I, I grew up in a culture as well, the Ghanaian culture, where um, there were ideas, obviously, about what a woman should be like. And even as a very, very young child, I didn't fit into any of that mm -hmm. because I was uh, very outspoken. I was very rebellious. My favorite question was why about mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. I did not have that intrinsic fear of adults or even if I got punished or even if I was told that I shouldn't speak out. I would still do it when I felt it was necessary mm -hmm. and it wasn't really acceptable. Like the idea was that children should be seen and not heard mm -hmm. or what does a child know? I was very experimental. Mm -hmm. And so uh, based on my mom's reaction, based on reactions around me in general, I was convinced that I was defective that there is something intrinsically broken or wrong with me. Mm. Wow. I, this is not something that I recognized or knew in my awareness at that time. Mm -hmm. It's through digging that I got to know that and how it affected how I saw myself deep down. Okay. You know, also the other thing is that I was a little white girl in a country that is predominantly black. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's a very sort of unique position because Ghana is my home and it has amazing things, you know, and it has an amazing tolerance in so many ways. Yeah. And yet, and yet due to our history uh, with the aliens act, with, uh, you know, things that happened, uh, it was always the idea of being white was that you, there's the name, Obroni, you don't belong, you're outside of, in a way. Mm. And yet, this was my identity and this was my belonging and this was my home. So, you know, if you put that together with my mom, who used to really cry and say, you know, Nobody will ever love you. Nobody will ever accept you if you speak like that or if you say that or if you behave like that. And also culturally, having that reinforced in, in Ghanaian culture, I mean, 
women, there's so many things that women did not do. Women were self-sacrificing. Girls, girls should be meek. Girls should not be angry. Girls should not discuss money. Girls should not, I could go on and on. Yes. You know, and, and so um, everybody meant well. Mm-hmm. And nobody actually meant to hurt. And everybody, all of them, were dealing with their own pain baggage yeah. and their own sets of, of, you know, being a young country who had gained, which had gained its independence and, and with the history of slavery, all of that is very understandable. Mm. It's not, you can't find anybody to blame specifically or, you know, it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. But, <coughs> sorry, all of that to say that there were many uh, circumstances that made me have trouble or problems with <coughs> who I was or who I, I'm expected to be mm. or whether I fit mm-hmm. or not. <coughs> Sorry. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. <coughs> Are you okay? Yeah, <laughs> I need. I think I need to to drink a bit of water. No, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. There's something that you've put here, Rania, which I really loved, and it was just um, sort of it was referring to my question: What is that unique something you feel you offer the world through your field? And I just loved your answer: love, faith inspiration playfulness and engagement and um yeah i don't know if you want to build on that or that is pretty much it you know those 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 five words it's uh it's such a beautiful thing that um that you feel or that you do offer to the world it's it's, it's great really really great how do you reset in times of stress and pressure so I don't wait for times of stress and pressure to reset. Mm-hmm. After I had a breakdown in, you know, about 16, 17 years ago, and I went on the path of healing and of taking responsibility okay. and saying, how do I not perpetrate that same cycle? Um, it was a very long process and it's an ongoing process. It's a lifelong process. Yes. But slowly and over time, I put in place, I got to understand myself better and put in place systems that empower me and that help me. Mm-hmm. And some of them are specific routines or things that I do on my own yes. in my solitude. And others have to do with relationships and engagement. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that it's either or. They're all part of one whole that helps me always feel fulfilled and hopeful and grateful. Because that's very important, Mm -hmm. you know, to to feel grateful, to be able to see the positive. If you can't see the positive, you can't create the positive. Mm And part of those routines, like if we're talking about the solitary ones, it's every day to read. Mm -hmm. I need to read every day. When I learned to read as a young child, it saved my life because it opened up a window 
that gave me answers beyond the answers that I could find all around me. Mm. It gave me experiences beyond the experiences that I had access to. Yes. Yeah. It helped in my growth in a way, you know, that, uh, that I couldn't, you know, replace with anything else at the time. Yeah. So one thing I do every day is read. Mm -hmm. What I do for exercise, I need to move because there is a mind-body-soul connection. Our bodies always reflect our states of mind and vice versa, mm -hmm. and our, our soul. So I exercise at least three times a week. And it's a form of basic Pilates, but taught by a teacher who um, had her own sort of path and who studied anatomy and spirituality and comparative spirituality and included it all into that practice. Sure. And to me, the, 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 the basic element of it has to do with breathing. Mm. Being alive means we breathe. Mm -hmm. If you go to the root of the word to worry, Etymologically, to worry means to grab by the throat, mm -hmm. to interfere with breathing, and eventually to kill. Yes. And as long as our breathing is disrupted, mm -hmm. our blood flow is disrupted, and our well-being is disrupted. So this is my, also part of my, my own personal routine. Um, prayer and gratitude. It yeah. can be meditation. Mm. I, think, I think for me, the only prayer that benefits me is the one that puts me in that meditative state where I can just let go of myself. Mm -hmm. So if I'm being grateful for something, I have prayers of gratitude. I go into the cell level. I go into the breath level. I use my active imagination to actually connect to the seen and the unseen. Yeah. The letter, the sign, the word, the language, the person, the one that is dead, the one that is alive, the one that is here now. So on so many levels. And the more you do it, the greater you can go in terms of connection. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like a muscle. Yeah. What I do also... Uh, is the creative um, uh, process. The creative process opens you up. Part of it is introspective. It allows you to reflect and yes. to think and to assess. Mm -hmm. It allows you to have access to types of intelligence that are other than only intellectual intelligence. Mm -hmm. And there is great power in that. It allows you to discover the beauty in you and to express it to the world and to create beauty mm -hmm. beyond the limitations of our time, beyond yeah. the conditioning of what should be beautiful and what shouldn't be, or what's in vogue right now. Yo, yo, you know? And, and so these are the personal um, things that I try to include in every day, more or less. Mm -hmm. The ones that involve others is relationships 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 i think we cannot really experience the greatest measure of our humanity 
unless we connect to each other. Mm -hmm. And I personally believe, like in old African traditions, it takes a village to raise a raise child. A child. Yeah. Um, having a community, mm. learning to love my husband, my children better, learning to love my siblings better, learning to love my friends better. Mm. It's an ongoing work. Yeah. I didn't know how to love well. And if you don't love yourself enough or you don't love yourself well, you won't be able to love another person in the way they need you to. Mm -hmm. No, no, absolutely. So building a creative tribe yeah. with all the creatives around me, you know, the, the ones where we connect, being able to have conversation. Yeah. I personally think conversation is one of the most beautiful points of growth. Mm -hmm. It's like planting a garden. Yes. And so having a tribe around you mm -hmm. helps a lot in terms of support. Yes. Engaging in deep play with others. Yes. Deep play is very important to me because mm -hmm. knowing yourself and self-growth demands you to dig a lot into your pain. And that doesn't mean anything if you you don't also embrace joy and embrace laughter and embrace play. Yeah. And I think, you know, children know it intuitively. Mm. They grow so much while they're playing. They have the capacity to learn so much while they're playing. Mm. And we do as adults. Why do we stop doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deep play, you know, was behind some of the world's greatest inventions, such as the invention of glass. Yeah. Uh, of plastics, of um, aluminum, of the discovery of the seafloor, you know, so many things. Yeah, no, you've, you know, you've touched on so many great points there and you've given our listeners some great advice. Can you kind of, can you build on that in terms of just giving practical advice to any of our listeners that are sort of going through exams or studying uh, pressures or peer pressures is there a few sort of words that you can kind of give them to latch on to to help them in their yeah in their situation peer pressure um comparing yourself to somebody else will always um Put you in the in the losers uh, perspective mm. you cannot be somebody else compete against yourself mm -hmm. be the best that you can yes yeah to know if that makes sense play enjoy yourself enjoy enjoy the moments you have with each other try to develop emotional honesty yes if if you don't have emotional honesty you're not going to be able to be truly honest with others and you're not going to be able to have the relationships or the kind of relationships that actually will feed you mm. and help you grow and help you see that, okay, somebody doesn't like me on social media. So what? I've got Carol. Mm -hmm. I've got, and we have a great time. Yeah. And, and you know what? Like give yourself, you know, uh, time to, to, to grow and to play and and nothing is terrible try to discover what you love yeah and then just going through like pressure in terms of exams and in studying. terms of exams 
be prepared, but not too prepared. Yeah. You have to come to the exam and be able to let go and think of the exam as, you know, this is not the beginning and the end of your life. Yeah. yeah. So many times when, when the fear of the exam is the fear of failure. Mm. Yes, our educational systems are partly responsible for that because the way exams are designed and the way teaching happens is a systematic stigmatization of failure. Mm. So we're told or we grow up thinking that to fail or to make a mistake is terrible and it's the end of the world. Yeah. But the growth mentality tells you that there is great potential in failure. Mm -hmm. Learn from Michael Jordan. How many times did he fail? <laughs> he, he, he failed probably, he said, 400 games yeah. before he, he, he made that game. Mm -hmm. And so don't give up on yourself. If you give up on yourself, you can't blame somebody else for giving up on you. And you fail once, so what? Mm -hmm. If you get rid of that fear before you get into your exam, work on that fear. You need to talk about it with someone, with a friend, with a counselor, yeah. deal with it. Don't bring your fear into the exam with you mm. because so many times you may not fail because you don't know. You may fail because your fear is writing your exam. Mm. It's not you writing the exam. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just remember so whatever you need to do. Yeah. If you're scared, it's fine. We all get scared. We all grew up. You know, you can't know courage if you don't know fear. But pay attention to that and know that, all right, I need to deal with this fear business. Yeah. I, I can't wait until the last minute. It is as important as studying for your exam. Mm. If your fear is a stumbling block, give it as much as attention as you give to studying for your exam. Mm -hmm. Because you don't want it to be your handicap. No. No. And just remembering you're bigger, you are bigger than this, this fear, you know, and this fear is all in your head, which you are creating. So <laughs> you need to be in control of it. And um, yeah, and just and, and try and deal with it. And don't let it be become the better of you because it's not you are very much bigger than bigger than it. Isn't it? Just a few more questions before we wrap up Rania you've you've recently launched a podcast called creative in in Accra Accra yes. yes can you tell our listeners just a little bit about it because it's such an excellent initiative well it's it's a way of actually expanding what I've been doing as a creative coach for the past 16 years yeah and my mission is to inspire creative growth because mm. I feel especially at this moment in time with this crisis, it is even more needed than it used to be before. So the idea is to have conversations with creatives from Accra and beyond and to talk about their process and to talk about their um, obstacles mm -hmm. and their, their, how they resolve specific obstacles and to talk about the importance of building the right relationships and the right team in order to grow. Yes. You are always as strong as your team is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, a plant 
does not think on its own. It is part of a cycle in the forest. Mm. If you have the right circle around you, the right team, whether it's on the playground, whether it's in competitive sports or yeah. in art or in friendship, yeah. if you have a strong team, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Create your team and make sure you've got a strong one. Yes. And be able to resolve your problems and to lift each other up. Yeah. And that is the message here. Is, is, it's um, surrounding yourself with good, positive people, people who, who've got your back, you know, and who love you for who you are and respect you. What, what is the biggest lesson, um, Rana, life has taught you? And are you applying it to your life now? Oh, the biggest lesson. I mean, so many lessons every day still. Um, I just give you a little... Um, the biggest lesson, I guess, is that the opposite of love is not hate, it's fear. Mm -hmm. Yes. Exactly that. <laughs> love. And it is very much love. It's applying love to your life. Because when you apply love to your life, things like fear kind of dwindle, dwindle away. Um, and it's just remembering that we are, we all are love. Um, and I think- once, Carol? Yes. Can you hear me? I think we've got a little- Sorry, yes. That's okay, that's all right. No, I was just saying, you know, love, you know, I think love is very much the biggest lesson that we can, you know, we can learn. We can learn here and to apply to our lives. Just a few more questions, Rania. What would you say to your 13, 18 and 21 year old self? Hmm. To my 13 year old self, I would give a big hug and say, um, you know, things are going to be okay. Mm. <laughs> it's not as bad as you think it is. Yeah. To my 18-year-old self, don't let your anger cheat you of the experiences that you can have. Mm -hmm. And then to my 20, did you say 20? 21. 21-year-old <laughs> 21. self. I would say, yeah, you're making plans. <laughs> but you, what you don't know is that everything's going to change. And your plans, your, your path is not going to be what you're planning right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. What three tips or pieces of, of advice would you give a teenager? Everything can be better if you're able to talk about it, but just choose the right person to talk about it with. Mm. Sometimes it's a parent. Sometimes maybe it's not a parent. Yes. Yes. Just don't carry the, the burden yourself. Mm -hmm. It will only make you feel alone and isolated and then keep you in the same loop 
Yes. Yeah. The other thing I would say, don't be so self-conscious. Nobody's going to remember what you did today, tomorrow. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. It's you are the one who is keeping tabs. Yes, yes. And, and you know, judging yourself. People's attention span is so short. Mm. And they have so many worries and they, they, so many things are calling to their attention at any given point in time. Yeah. And what to you seems so big. Mm -hmm. It's so small to them. actually... Yeah, absolutely. I, I do love that one. I do love that one. What legacy or impact would you like to leave? I would like to leave every place I step in better for the fact of being um, in it. I think, I think to lead is to serve. Mm -hmm. You can't be a leader if you don't know how to be a good servant, if you don't know how to be, how to serve. Yeah. And I think you can't really be good mentally if you don't know how to give. But also, don't give more than you can. Mm. And learning to give means learning to receive as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah, if, if there's one legacy, is that... Any place is better because I served in a way where I did something that helped to make it better. Yeah. Yeah. That's very powerful. Very, very powerful, Rania. And just my last question, I could just go on and on and on and on, but you know what? Well, I'm blessed to have this podcast and I've got this platform to create other episodes. So I'm definitely going to have you, definitely have going, to, going to have you back on. My, it's always my, a pleasure, <laughs> my last question is what's the most important message you would like to leave with us today a lesson yes what's the most important message would you like to leave oh, with us today a message yeah who let the dogs out who, 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 who. <laughs> i'm just kidding the most important message is just not to take yourself too seriously. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you can't be serious all the time and nobody expects you to. Yeah, yeah. And have fun. Fun's my mantra. I love having yeah. fun. Yeah. That's a great, great message. Rania, yeah. oh, that's fantastic. We've, we've come to the end of the show, this show. But like, as I said earlier, there's going to be more shows, more, more, more shows. So I'm definitely going to invite you back on. <laughs> Um, I really appreciate your time. Really appreciate your Thank time. You. And it's been an honor. I, I appreciate your energy. I appreciate your mission, Carol. I appreciate everything about you. I think, I think this is a beautiful podcast and, and your dream is a beautiful dream. And if there's any way I can serve, any way I can help, I'm, it's my privilege. Oh, bless. Thank you so much, Ronya. That, that means a lot. That means a lot to me. Listeners, wow, thank you for listening. Um, how such powerful, such a powerful conversation. I hope you got as much value out of this conversation as much as I did. Please, please, please check out Rania's podcast, Creative in Accra. It's, it's great, you know, it's a, it's a great listen. So please have that, um, yeah, have that on your list. 
And if you want to hear more inspirational stories, please keep tuning in or follow me on Instagram, Oyana Voices for inspirational content. This is Carol Oakley. Peace and love to you all.